I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Isaiah chapters 31 through 34. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 31, we have the woe to those who go down to Egypt, verse 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. Yet he also is wise and will bring disaster, and will not call back his words, but will arise against the house of evildoers and against the help of those who work iniquity. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. For thus the Lord has spoken to me, as a lion roars and a young lion over his prey, when a multitude of shepherds is summoned against him, he will not be afraid of their voice, nor be disturbed by their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down to fight for Mount Zion and for its hill. Like birds flying about, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending, he will also deliver it. Passing over, he will preserve it. Return to him against whom the children of Israel have deeply revolted. For in that day every man shall throw away his idol of silver and his idols of gold, sin which your own hands have made for yourselves. Then Assyria shall fall by a sword not of man, and a sword not of mankind shall devour him. But he shall flee from the sword, and his young men shall become forced labor. He shall cross over to his stronghold for fear, and his princes shall be afraid of the banner, says the Lord, whose fire is in Zion, and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. Well, here's the essence of chapter 31 from Isaiah. Here it is. So, Israel, you're scared of those Assyrians, huh? Need a little protection? Well, you won't get it from Egypt. They're too weak. Now, notice verse 3. Now the Egyptians are men and not God, and their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, both he who helps will fall, and he who is helped will fall down. They all will perish together. The only help Jerusalem needs is God himself. This message continues from Isaiah chapter 30. That chapter is an oracle against those going to call upon Egypt for help. In fact, Egypt fell to the Assyrians along with all of Jerusalem's neighbors, but God did, in fact, protect Jerusalem itself from falling, well, at least to the Assyrians. And no, Jerusalem did not turn to God, only King Hezekiah. But that was enough for God to spare Jerusalem. Verses 7-9 through 9 prophesy the supernatural deliverance of Jerusalem that occurs in 2 Kings chapter 18, beginning with verse 13 down to chapter 19, verse 37, also recorded in 2 Chronicles 32, 9-22, and Isaiah chapter 36 and 37. The rest of Judah, along with Israel, did in fact fall. Isaiah in this passage correctly prophesies the deliverance of Jerusalem by God from the Assyrians in the face of insurmountable odds. 
But there's coming a day, and we read about that in Isaiah chapter 32, beginning with verse 1. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. A man will be as a hiding place from the wind, and cover from the tempest. As rivers of water in a dry place, as the shadow of a great rock in a weary land, the eyes of those who see will not be dim, and the ears of those who hear will listen. Also the heart of the rash will understand knowledge, and the tongue of the stammerers will be ready to speak plainly. The foolish person will no longer be called generous, nor the miser said to be bountiful. For the foolish person will speak foolishness, and his heart will work iniquity, to practice ungodliness, to utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. Also the schemes of the schemer are evil. He devises wicked plans to destroy the poor with lying words, even when the needy speaks justice. But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. Well, Israel will look and see devastation by the Assyrians everywhere. But there's coming a day when the righteous Messiah will rule over all. And we see that in verse 1 when it says, Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule with justice. Now, based upon verse 1, these verses must look to the Messianic kingdom. That's a time yet future even to us. We see also in these verses that those who exploit the poor will not be available to do so during this rule. As a matter of fact, verses 2 through 8 deal with the human inequities which will be remedied at the outset of this period. That understanding is set up by the mention of the foolish person in verse 5, that he will not practice his foolishness during the messianic rule. Verses 6 through 8 describe the attributes of a foolish person. Both the King James Version and the New King James Version translations of the verbs there, they're in the future tense, and that's a little confusing. The person will practice his foolishness as a matter of his foolish character, but not during the Messianic rule. Then we have a warning to the women in Isaiah chapter 32, verses 9 through 14. Verse 9, Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice, you complacent daughters. Give ear to my speech. In a year and some days you will be troubled, you complacent women, for the vintage will fail. The gathering will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent ones. Strip yourselves, make yourselves bare, and gird sackcloth upon your waist. People shall mourn upon their breast for the pleasant fields for the fruitful vine. On the land of my people will come up thorns and briars, yes, on all the happy homes in the joyous city, because the palaces will be forsaken. The bustling city will be deserted. The forts and towers will become lairs forever. A joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks. And so we see here that for those women who were complacent in their attitudes about the coming siege by the Assyrians, they'd better watch out. The devastation of Judah, not the city of Jerusalem, but the devastation of Judah itself except for Jerusalem is imminent. The other cities of Judah will suffer devastation. In verses 15 through 20, let's talk a little bit about kingdom living. Verse 15. Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places." 
though hail comes down on the forest, and the city is brought low in humiliation. Blessed are you who sow beside all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. Well, the first 14 verses of chapter 32 talk about the contrast between the righteous rule of the Messiah, in verse 1, and the corruption otherwise. How will it all be made better? Verse 15 says, Until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. That sounds like the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 34. After the event of verse 15, notice what is said of life from that point forward in verse 17. It says, The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Again, the prophet must have the messianic rule in view here. These conditions did not exist during any historical period after the issuance of this oracle. Therefore, it must be a messianic proposition that looks to the yet future millennium. In chapter 33, we begin with the destruction of the enemy, those Assyrians. Verse 1, Woe to you who plunder, though you have not been plundered, and you who deal treacherously, though they have not dealt treacherously with you. When you cease plundering, you will be plundered. When you make an end of dealing treacherously, they will deal treacherously with you. O Lord, be gracious to us. We have waited for you. Be their arm every morning. Our salvation also in the time of trouble. At the noise of the tumult, the people shall flee. When you lift yourself up, the nations shall be scattered." and your plunder shall be gathered, like the gathering of the caterpillar, as the running to and fro of locust, he shall run upon them. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times, and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Surely their valiant ones shall cry outside. The ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly." The highways lie waste, the traveling man ceases, he has broken the covenant, he has despised the cities, he regards no man. The earth mourns and languishes, Lebanon is shamed and shriveled, Sharon is like a wilderness, and Bashan and Carmel shake off their fruits. Now I will rise, says the Lord, now I will be exalted, now I will lift myself up. You shall conceive chafe, you shall bring forth stubble, your breath as fire shall devour you." And the people shall be like the burnings of lime, like thorns cut up, they shall be burned in the fire. Hear, you who are afar off, what I have done. And you who are near, acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has seized the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He who walks righteously and speaks uprightly, he who despises the gain of oppressions, who gestures with his hands, refusing bribes, who stops his ears from hearing of bloodshed, and shuts his eyes from seeing evil. He will dwell on high. His place of defense will be the fortress of rocks. Bread will be given him. His water will be sure. Verse 1 takes off with the description of the attitude of the Assyrians and their boastfulness of their power. But the verse quickly turns on them, prophesying their defeat. In verses 2 through 4, we see the prayers of the righteous remnant in Judah who call out to the Lord, followed by a messianic promise in verses 5 and 6. Verses 7 through 12 speak of the conditions as Jerusalem is surrounded by the Assyrian army. And then in verses 13 through 16, Isaiah commends those righteous in Jerusalem who will stand firm in their faith toward God.
But one day it'll all be better, and that's the theme of verses 17 to 24. Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. Your heart will meditate on terror. Where is the scribe? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? You will not see a fierce people, a people of obscure speech beyond perception, of a stammering tongue that you cannot understand. Look upon Zion, the city of our appointed feast. Your eyes will see Jerusalem, a quiet home, a tabernacle that will not be taken down. Not one of its stakes will ever be removed, nor will any of its cords be broken. But there the majestic Lord will be for us a place of broad rivers and streams in which no galley with oars will sail, nor majestic ships pass by. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. Your tackle is loose, they could not strengthen their mass, they could not spread the sail. Then the prey of great plunder is divided, the lame take the prey, and the inhabitant will not say, I am sick. The people who dwell in it will be forgiven their iniquity. Well, these are more verses describing life on earth when the Messiah, the King of Kings, reigns over the land. Verse 17 says, Your eyes will see the king in his beauty. They will see the land that is very far off. That's the Messiah. We then see a contrast between the terror of the Assyrian officials and the righteous rule of the Messiah in verses 18 and 19. We further see a description of the Messiah in verse 22 when it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. And then we have a little premillennial destruction in Isaiah chapter 34, beginning now with verse 1. Come near you nations to hear, and heed you people, let the earth hear, and all that is in it, the world and all things that come forth from it. For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations, and his fury against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them, he has given them over to the slaughter. Also their slain shall be thrown out, their stench shall rise from their corpses, and the mountains shall be melted with their blood. All the host of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be rolled up like a scroll." All their hosts shall fall down as the leaf falls from the vine, and as fruit falling from a fig tree. For my sword shall be bathed in heaven, indeed it shall come down on Edom, and on the people of my curse for judgment. The sword of the Lord is filled with blood. It is made overflowing with fatness, with the blood of lambs and goats, with the fat of the kidneys of rams. For the Lord is a sacrifice in Basra, and a great slaughter in the land of Edom." The wild oxen shall come down with them, and the young bulls with the mighty bulls. Their land shall be soaked with blood, and their dust saturated with fatness. For it is a day of the Lord's vengeance, the year of recompense for the cause of Zion. Its stream shall be turned into pitch, and its dust into brimstone. Its land shall become burning pitch. It shall not be quenched night or day. Its smoke shall ascend forever. From generation to generation it shall lie waste." No one shall pass through it for ever and ever. But the pelican and the porcupine shall possess it. Also the owl and the raven shall dwell in it, and he shall stretch out over it the line of confusion and the stones of emptiness. They shall call its nobles to the kingdom, but none shall be there, and all its princes shall be nothing. And thorns shall come up in its palaces, nettles and brambles in its fortresses. It shall be a habitation of jackals, a courtyard for ostriches." The wild beast of the desert shall also meet with the jackals, and the wild goat shall bleat to its companion. Also the night creature shall rest there, and find for herself a place of rest. 
There the arrow snake shall make her nest and lay eggs and hatch and gather them under her shadow. There also shall the hawks be gathered, every one with her mate. Search from the book of the Lord and read, no one of these shall fail. Not one shall lack her mate, for my mouth has commanded it, and his spirit has gathered them. He has cast the lot for them, and his hand has divided it among them with a measuring line. They shall possess it forever. From generation to generation, they shall dwell in it. Actually, the destruction is quite significant according to verse 2. It says, For the indignation of the Lord is against all nations, and his fury against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to the slaughter. All the enemies of God will be destroyed prior to the millennium at the end of the tribulation. That's the last battle. And we know it is Armageddon. Recorded in Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 21. That's the event to which Isaiah is looking in this chapter. Nothing else fits the specifications. Edom here was a very small neighbor nation of Israel and was continually hostile toward Israel and Judah. They are to become a showplace of God's destruction, a museum, so to speak. They'll probably call it the They Rejected God Museum. Edom is probably used here in the context of being the epitome of Judah and Israel's enemy, representative of the hostility of the surrounding nations toward Israel in that age and through the centuries. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.